Welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 166, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Much like what we've been talking about recently with the Star Wars stuff, definitely uh, one of my earliest memories watching movies, this one right up there. It's a good transition from Star Wars into E.T., a movie that loomed large over the 80s sure loomed large over well my were, childhood yeah you were talking about it with the star wars stuff a little bit because it is like the same thing obviously what would you say this movie came out in 82 1982 like I, I probably watched it in like 94 and it's like as if <laughs> as if like it was only a couple of years old or something yeah you know what i mean it's just like one of those things that's just like this is a movie that stays with the culture well beyond it coming out yeah i'm the first time I looked up when the movie came out, I mean, obviously, I, I've known that it's been 1982 now for a while, but I can remember the first time looking it up and seeing that it was actually 82, and I was blown away by that. Right. Because I felt like it had just come out when I, I was a kid. Same. Like, it came out before I was born. I had the same experience. It's just like, I watch it as like, whatever, a, a seven-year-old, and for me, this is a movie that just came out within the last couple of years. Wrong. Wrong. But before we jump into... E.T., because there's a lot to say. It was a huge movie. Oh, it's true. It was probably one of the first big movies of my life. Before we jump in, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, all that stuff. Give us a rating and review if you sure. feel the need. <laughs> Continue to uh, reach out via text to me. I'm, I'm loving all the engagement lately. Sure. Send us a tweet. Send Matt a text if you have his number. <laughs> <laughs> Which we do count on, like, you know, a certain percentage of the listeners to have my phone number. Sure, yeah. Okay, so let's not waste any time. Let's talk about E.T., directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Melissa Matheson. I think Spielberg came up with the idea and had conversations with Melissa that they recorded, and then she would go off and write it. But yeah, she contributed a lot to the script as well. Definitely seemed like... The combination of a couple ideas based on that. Uh, sure, yeah. There's a lot of things at play here about Spielberg's childhood, divorce, suburbia, and then just a general alien idea. Sure. Almost I, like a 
alternate close encounters. Right. I, I do love it. I think I mentioned this on another episode for something else, but now that we live in like this post Stranger Things world, it's like it's hard not to like identify. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back to Stranger Things yeah, in yeah. a little bit. But yeah. You it's just like you start watching it and you're like, wow, Stranger Things all over this. Sure. Yes. The first thing that I think about with this movie is Baby Drew predating oh, yeah. Baby Yoda. Baby Drew, the original Baby Yoda, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. Drew Barrymore in this movie. Yeah, she come is. Come on. She's fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Although it's hard not to watch it and not think of all like the sadness in the years that followed. Well, I mean, <laughs> she got it together. <laughs> sure. It all worked out eventually. Yeah, I mean, I she think was, was literally years in there. six years old, walking off the set of E.T. to go to Studio 54. <laughs> Just having a time. <laughs> and then... I think it's interesting that in this movie, it's almost as if Mulder and Scully are uh, the dude, bad guys. I, I know. I, I was going to bring this up, too. <laughs> Who are I these mean, anonymous government even, agents? Yeah, we're not around. even there yet. Like, as soon as we get to, like, the spaceship landing and all these people, like, showing up with flashlights, I was like, is Mulder part of this group? Mulder's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so E.T. was made on a $10.5 million budget. Wow. It would go on to earn... million at the box office. That's what you would call a success. At the time, it was the highest grossing film of all time. It's weird. It would stay that way for 11 years until it was passed by Jurassic Park. I I mean, what what sort of money were they, like, throwing out for budgets at this time? You would think that Spielberg could basically do whatever he wanted after, like, the success of, like, Jaws. Probably, but... I, it just feels like that's not he a lot had of money. A, a dud there, the, in there with 1941 that okay. didn't really make any yeah. money. But I just don't think movies had huge budgets yet. Right. I mean, sometimes yeah. they would spiral out of control, like Heaven's Gate obviously oh was before this. Yeah. But this is post-Heaven's Gate where the studio started to rein things in more, and things just weren't as expensive. Nowadays, yes, Almost everything that has any special effects is going to be like minimum like forty or fifty million at the lowest lowest end. Sure, but early eighties, I don't think the budgets for things were like that out of control. Yeah, and he probably figured like if you believe him, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> that like false modesty, you're not really sure if he's right. just saying stuff, but he seemed to think that this was like a small personal movie that didn't have a huge commercial upside well, in his mind the scope of it doesn't feel that big right it's... he thought this was like about divorce and an alien but it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. there was it wasn't like star wars which is the movie it surpassed as the highest grossing sure movie, which was like this big epic thing it was much more about the kids and stuff and there's one there's not a alien. lot of like location changes yeah it mostly takes place in the suburbs which i love by the way like just like the valley in california E.T. was nominated for nine Academy Awards, and it won four for score, sound, sound effects, editing, and visual effects. So it only won, like, the minor awards. Yeah, you and I were talking about it. Not minor, but you know what I mean. (laughs) uh, A little bit before the show with the John Williams score and how great of a score it is. Of course, again, because every time with these movies, whether it's Star Wars or basically anything Spielberg ever directed, it's just like... What would have happened if they didn't use John Williams for all these movies? Well, they would certainly be lesser, that's for sure. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, his they play such a big part. contribution to this stuff is immeasurable, really. Do you know what movie beat 
E.T. for Best Picture. No idea. In 1982. No. Ordinary People. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be earlier. That That's the film that beat... Goodfellas? No, uh, Raging Bull. Oh, yeah. It was a film called Gandhi. Okay, yes. And it was directed by... Sir Ben Kingsley. Richard Attenborough. Yeah. Who plays Hammond in Jurassic Park. Oh, yes, that's right. And Richard Attenborough, even before that ceremony for the oscars said that he thought et would win and should win and wow it's interesting how Modesty. things change because nowadays i feel like the entertainment press would be pushing hard for a movie like gandhi like sure. a virtue signaling yeah. type movie whereas in 82 they all flipped out when oh, yeah, e. we didn't, didn't this win bullshit. yeah et e. was the movie they all thought right. should win yeah now, of course, you could rally be behind reversed. like a big blast. Yeah, big blockbuster like that. So things have changed. As you brought up, Stranger Things is probably one of the closer modern day equivalents that we would have to something like this. Sure. I also thought of Super Eight. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I will say, now knowing like the J.J. Abrams thing, it's like you you start looking at E.T. and like the scenes pop up when lens flare is being used. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the famous J.J. Abrams thing now. But it's interesting to me that, okay, not only did Steven Spielberg produce Super 8, but pushing that aside for a second, Super 8 and Stranger Things are both period pieces. Super 8 takes place like in the 70s, late 70s maybe, and Stranger Things is obviously in the 80s. Again, just hearkening back to a better time. Well, is the world too cynical for something like E.T. now? I think so. If I told you that there was a little movie about kids and an alien that was going to be heartwarming life-affirming well i don't know <laughs> no battle is. scenes anything no i mean yeah. i think you would be like well this movie's going to flop this is no one cares about this no one would see this there was something about being able to like capture the the wonder of the imagination of kids yes yeah it just doesn't seem like something that is in play these well, when days. something's made for kids now it treats kids like they're morons. I was thinking because about maybe this, kids are morons, yeah. but I don't know. But in the past, it seems like things that were aimed towards kids were still treated like the same as if it was aimed towards adults. It well, was taken as serious. It actually even had me thinking of the uh, the dedication or whatever from it that you were reading to me the one time, <laughs> just oh. reading to me. But <laughs> it is like it is that idea of the imagination of kids, and even like the idea in this movie that they're somehow just. <laughs> They get over the shock of this alien like pretty quickly, right? Yeah, just like this is part of our world. They're all very and, and there's just there is something to that that I don't know. I think people can rally around that and really enjoy the idea of it. But it, yeah, these days I, I I don't see it playing. Yeah, I would agree with that. And to compare it to how things were though back then in '82, ET had or has I think still now the record for the longest theatrical run. It played in theaters for over a year. Sure. So that fits in with what I was talking about in the Star Wars episodes when I said that things were just always current in the 80s. I know. They seemed to last forever. Exactly. Well, here's your example. E.T. was in the theaters (laughs) for a fucking year. Well, and that's the thing. Like, these days, it's like two weeks go by, and I'm like, great, I'm going to miss it. Well, even, okay, go back a few months. not every movie, but... Avengers Endgame, supposedly the highest grossing film of all time, at least as far as, like... Yeah, I watched it on a plane probably, like, two months after it came out in theaters. Uh, Yeah, it was three months max, probably two months a lot of places. That's a fraction of a year. 
people would were probably re-seeing E.T. I mean, I get it. In a world without streaming, without easy home video like DVD or Blu-ray, without a lot of TV airings, on-demand, all this stuff, you really only had the initial theatrical run, and then a lot of popular movies were re-released like a year or two later in the theaters. Oh, yeah. That was pretty common. But And then that might be it, and that might be... Your, in your head, you might think like, well, now I have to wait till it's going to come out on TV. So obviously there was more imperative to get to the theaters back then. But yeah. it's just mind-blowing to think a full calendar year goes by and E.T. is in the theater still. The other shocking thing about the low budget or what I would consider a low budget for a major motion picture, the product placement. This is definitely the first movie that I can remember the product placement being such a thing. Obviously, like... The Reese's Pieces, which I'm sure we'll talk about, playing such a big part. But this is the first movie that, for years beyond it, it's like you think E.T. and you think Reese's Pieces. Yeah, huge, huge mistake by M&M's. Yeah. (laughs) Turning this down. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Because I think Hershey's profits for Reese's Pieces went up like 65% because of this movie. (laughs) And I think probably, maybe, you know, not for everybody, but I think for like you and I for sure, even just seeing like the logos of Coke and like these different things yeah. from 1982, it's boy, is that in our wheelhouse? There was commentary though, even at the time, about the vision of a suburban wasteland that Spielberg was going for here with the brand name junk food and the lack of parental supervision and the broken oh, toys. I love it. And it was just painting a vision of kind of a lost generation i mean obviously a huge part of it was the influence of his own parents divorce obviously a lot of spielberg movies there's like a missing father figure it happens all the time yeah it's one of his things i think there's a whole other thing going on with the d wallace character in this movie that like i think we could spend some time really getting into (laughs) you mean what that she's like the milf of the century well yeah but also (laughs) it's like you know she's Obviously going through a hard time with coming to grips with the fact that her husband left her for some wench and like. (laughs) Well, it's interesting to hear Spielberg talk about this, how he shot the movie. So the kids, you obviously all see their faces, whether it's Elliot, Gertie, Michael or Michael's friends and and Elliot's classmates and everything. You see all the kids faces, but you don't see any adults faces except for the mother, Mary, played by Dee Wallace. Yes. Who Until the end of the movie. Fox when, in this movie, I would say. Yeah, but like him treating her or thinking of her as one of the kids, which is what he says yes. in the in well, one of the bonus features going in the Blu-ray. Through something. Well, yeah, and the alienated Elliot is supposed to represent E.T. Obviously, the first and last letter of Elliot yes. is E.T. They sync up telepathically throughout the movie. That becomes a huge plot point. Uh-huh. And E.T. then steps in to restore a positive vibe to the family. Right. He makes them all feel better about themselves. He brings them together. Everything's great by the time he leaves. He he basically shows up and helps them get through this time. It's almost like this wonderful He's like this distraction to galvanizing what's force. <laughs> yeah. Because basically they all have a two second window of being like Holy shit, it's an alien to being like, yeah, it's part of our lives. Yeah, even Mary, who doesn't see E.T. until the end of the film, right? seemingly falls in love with E.T. almost immediately. What's not to like? I mean, he is adorable. (laughs) 
Well, it's almost like she understands and can see the connection that Elliot and her other kids have with E.T. And it just is so overwhelming. But aren't you interested in like what is going on with Mary when she's not around? I mean, I don't know. It feels like... Well, I don't think it, she's doing anything. I think she's just going to work. I don't know. She's going to that Halloween party dressed in that cat dress or what whatever. What party did she go to? I thought she was just at the house. By I was oh, I was thinking she was going to a party, but maybe No, not. I don't think so. That's too bad. Cuz that's kind of what I was thinking was like Imagine if you were a neighbor though. I know. It just seems like there'd be a lot of dudes sniffing around. I just can't believe she wouldn't on. be invited to a Halloween party. That seems insane. I think she's too sad. Yeah. I get it, but I don't know. I mean, I think she's got it going on. At the same time that E.T. was being made, we've covered this already in a previous episode, but Poltergeist was being made. Wow, Spielberg was directing two movies at the same time. (laughs) Kind of. Allegedly. It's interesting when you compare the two because they seem to be taking place in almost an identical neighborhood, and the visuals are very similar. Yeah. But Poltergeist has a very intact family at the center of it sure parents still together one of the the strength of the family that well yeah it's the strength of the family that solves the problem sure and brings the daughter back from the other side but et though is more about kids fending for themselves the unhappiness permeating through yeah the middle class and suburbia there's definitely a darkness to this suburban feel I think you hit on it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's I... not quite as bad as, say, the Bready Ellis oh. 80s. But <laughs> yeah. the idea of the parents that just would being be oblivious. Like the Drew Barrymore story. Yeah, that's Drew Barrymore's real life. <laughs> <laughs> but the part where they. Okay, so all the. I do love how all the kids promise not to say anything about E.T. and then. Mary is coming home with Gertie, and Gertie is just immediately like, there he is, the man from the movie. She's blurting it it out immediately. (laughs) And Mary is so caught up in the day-to-day bullshit that a single mother who's kind of struggling has to go through. The the dry cleaning, the groceries, everything. Sure. Not paying any attention, not noticing E.T. walking around. Well, that's the thing. It does feel like the kids have a lot of free-range time. Yeah. There's just no other alternative at this point because she has to work, obviously. Right. It's not like she could afford daycare or a babysitter or anything like that. So it's a good point. It is kind of a latchkey generation. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a tough life for a single mom. E.T. came from an imaginary friend that Spielberg had when he was a kid. And that's kind of the initial genesis of the idea. Then, of course, he wanted to do a movie about divorce, about his parents' divorce, and then that got conflated into his idea about an alien getting left behind. Yeah. And it all sort of swirled together. People have drawn comparisons to Peter Pan. It's like a reverse Peter Pan. Yeah, which is red to Gertie, right, in this? Yes. Yeah. People have pointed that out. It's like Pan couldn't stay in Neverland the same way that E.T. couldn't stay on Earth, and... Elliot is like a lost boy, and the government agents are like the pirates. I don't know. It's like a whole thing. And then people have obviously compared it to Jesus as well. Sort of the savior comes down and then ascends back up. Right. The whole thing. Although Spielberg, of course, is always like, well, anything like that was unintentional because I couldn't imagine telling my Jewish mother that I had made a Christian parable (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, right. But, I mean, you know, it's that kind of story is still in there as well. 
Most importantly, though, John Williams' score, we've touched on it for a second. So good. One of the most iconic scores ever, and he was on just an unbelievable run, obviously, throughout the late 70s into the 80s and up through the 90s and everything. Yeah, well, isn't it? I think it's like the story around this one is he was trying to score the end of the movie and having a hard time getting everything to fit together. Yeah. And Spielberg just told him to just perform it the way that he thinks the so- the song should be the and score then, yeah, should be and, and then we'll fit the movie like i'll fit the spielberg will the cut, cut the movie right. to fit the score which yeah. usually is not how it works but yeah but it does come together perfectly to me it never loses its entertainment value even though i've been critical of effects losing their value over time in this movie this last sequence that last long sequence with the bikes going down the hills and then like the chase and then the music building up and like leading to sort of what you know is the main theme when they kind of like fly up over yeah the people and they continue to pedal through the air like it, <laughs> it is I, such like a great moment really because is, that, yeah. by that point you've already gone through emotional hell oh of yeah et dying right and, and now he's back, back yeah, and now it, it was a fake out the triumphant flying yeah. over the blockade and everything yeah, yeah. it's it is like goosebumps. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's it for E.T. So <laughs> we'll see you next week. Based on the success of the film, they wanted Spielberg to do a sequel, which he toyed around with for a while and tried to brainstorm an idea over that initial summer after it was released to such success. And the initial thought was making the movie set in E.T.'s world, coming from Man, that how angle and more terrible would space. that have been? Eventually, I think he realized that, and that's Just why like a planet of these he he told them he didn't want to do it. Things, yeah. <laughs> and there was never a sequel made, which I think it's hard. I think it would be tough to envision a sequel to this. Well, working. if a movie made made this much money and was know, one of the now. highest grossing movies yeah. now, of course there'd be another one. Absolutely. That's like how they said there's no way we're doing a sequel to this Joker movie, and now they're doing a sequel to this Joker. Oh movie wow! Because yeah. it made so much fucking money. Right. Spielberg's career is, I think, in that final phase where there's just not really a whole lot of juice left in the tank as far as what he's doing. He doesn't doesn't have have a passion project anymore. He doesn't really have that magic anymore. When you think about it, he's like the worst possible candidate to direct a movie like Ready Player One because the whole point of the movie is to be nostalgic for a lot of the things Spielberg was a a creator of. of. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense for him to be the one doing it. I do think, though, that he did a great job with the Shining sequence in that. Sure. But I think in general, though... Yeah, I agree with you. The idea would be for somebody younger who's looking at those things from the past more in a... Yeah, that's probably ...wonderment true. sense. But he was like a guy that was a like part of those he things. He was really good at operating in that space of the pre-CGI dominant era. Of making things look and feel cool with just, I, I don't know, what Minimal I consider. special effects yeah, what or I, practical effects right, at least. Yes, yeah. what I consider a more creative way. Right, to, because like, Jurassic Park was basically things. the last yeah. bastion of that type. And then even by The Lost World, it became way more computer. Was, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you could say Saving Private Ryan was probably like his last great movie. Sure. And, I mean, honestly, I would say like his last good movies were probably like minority report and ai 
Yeah. Minority Report since then is not really that good. Yeah, I know. The 2000s has been... I mean, I guess Catch Me If You Can. Okay. People like... But, I mean, yeah, for the most part, though, there's nothing, like, blowing you away. Yeah. (laughs) And that is the one fun thing about, like, Super 8 is it kind of feels like this part Jaws, part Close Encounters, part E.T. homage movie. Which is fun because I love those movies and i love the feeling that uh spielberg was able to create out of it and i I do feel like abrams did like an awesome job like recapturing that in a way sure but you have to think of it though that that movie was strictly aimed at people who were nostalgic for those other things i know and it did okay well and i feel like stranger things also was that but then ended up being like so much more successful and for audiences beyond that again though i feel okay stranger things has figured out a way to appeal to everybody. Yeah. But I would say that the primary initial audience was probably aiming towards people who were nostalgic for those things. Like us, just like, you know, and who would pick up on the Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, the Goonies, and all these connections to things from a different time. But it just so happens that it was entertaining enough to win over all age groups. I don't know. I just think that the fact that Spielberg hasn't had as much success as far as like these commercial classic movies. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think it's because that, like I said, I just think that the world is just different and too cynical now and yeah. not as interested in his brand of It also feel good. just feels like there was something magical going on during that time period with Spielberg and Lucas and Coppola and all them. And it just seems like these guys just like came out with all these great ideas and like really like changed movies forever. But then it, it kind of feels like the juice sort of ran out for everybody. No, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I'm what I'm saying is that it's a combination of the juice running out, but them also trying to fit a changing times. I sure. mean, yeah, it's not even like he's trying to make another E.T. now. It's that he's doing these hyper stylized computer generated effect type yeah, movies. which is just so not what and he now he's remaking west side story for some reason it's like yeah. why would anybody want to see this i don't know i don't know it is it's sad it's not sad it's just kind of <laughs> dumb yeah okay <laughs> i'm not better. i'm not crying tears for a billionaire <laughs> uh no no but i i uh i don't know it's just it makes me long for something that I feel like we don't have in the current age of film as much. Well, we talked about it in the Star Wars Give Us a Seconds that well, we just did, where there's not really an audience for yeah movies that are for kids. I don't know. Even Things again, for kids though. now are either like really dumb and completely devoid of like any lasting meaning, or there's something there are yeah. things that people don't care about, or they're Pixar, which. Yeah. Are the only things that seem to really connect with people. Yeah. And I'm Pixar has done a good job of being for like kids and adults, I would say. But there's always that hurdle though of it being animated, so you don't I, I never I, as good uh, as some of those yeah. movies are, and some of them are really good, I never connect with them in the same way that I would with like an E. T. or something. Yeah, outside of Wally. <laughs> I do love Wally. Yeah, but it's hard not to I'm just saying, like, I never get that. I mean, even if like I I get tears in my eyes at the end of Toy Story three because it seems like very sad. Well, yeah, all the toys are gonna get lit on fire. It's still it's just not the same. There's just there's that disconnect at least for me when it comes to animated that, versus real. What I was trying to get to, and you hit the hit it dead on when you were talking about Stranger Things and like 
the idea of like what a director like this would do now is there is no like new Spielberg. The only version of Spielberg is someone doing an homage to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's big shoes to fill. Well, sure. Spielberg hit a lot of the biggest topics you could hit. I mean, he did the alien twice with Close Encounters and E.T. He did the big man-killing animal with Jaws. He did the serialized adventure story with all of the Indiana Jones. That's true. We Lucas get... hit all of the space adventure stories yeah. with Star Wars. There's only so many uh, stories. I mean, yeah, it's we hard get, to replicate that uh, now. Crawl this year with Alexander Aja. Yeah, I just bought that on Blu-ray because it was like 10 bucks for <laughs> Black Friday. I'm going to have to hang around after we record and we'll <laughs> pop that on. That was Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie of 2019, which doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, <laughs> because I- I'm sure he's not counting his own movie, so... I think right now it's my number two of the year. I don't think it's going to be in my top ten, but I do like it. (laughs) Yeah. There was fun stuff. A movie that I don't think that you saw that I thought was a fun movie for kids was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, you did? You enjoyed that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I I don't know. I wasn't, from the trailers, I I wasn't completely sold. It seemed like there was a lot of room for It's a little darker than you would think for, I mean, it's PG-13, so it's not like it's PG, but- I mean, there were youngish kids when I went to see it, and it's like a little, there's gross, weird stuff in it that you don't typically see in movies that are somewhat aimed towards kids. All right, I'm sold. And it was enjoyable, and it left it open for a sequel, and it did pretty well, so I'm I'm sure that they will do another one. Let's talk about the Comcast commercial we just watched. Oh, yeah. Now, that was a weird little coincidence because- that came out like last week. I had no idea they were doing an ET commercial when I when we put this on the schedule. It just always works out that way. Yeah. We do have a weird history of that. So they brought back Henry Thomas as Elliot. He has like his own little family now. Yeah, e. smoking hot wife. Yeah. What's good? <laughs> Mrs. Elliot. That's right. <laughs> the first time I watched it was very early in the morning the day after Thanksgiving. So of course I was like an emotional wreck. <laughs> I'm always like very on edge yeah. early in the morning. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Anything can set like me off. Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, no. It was just, you know. I've had some sad Thanksgivings. A lot of like Hunger Game screenings, <laughs> going to the theater to see the new Hunger Game movie. I saw Knives Out on Thanksgiving this wow. year, which was yep. pretty good. So maybe I'll give that as my recommendation at the end. I don't know. Spoiler. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I had something else in mind, yeah. but I'll maybe throw Knives Out in there as well. Okay. But I liked the commercial, and it was signed off it's on fun. by Spielberg, so he really, gave his blessing to do it. I don't think I like in the movie or in the commercial when E.T. screams. It's kind of a, a, a hard sound to deal with. Noise. Yeah, I'm not in on it. <laughs> yeah, but Henry Thomas has kind of popped back up in a lot of stuff. I mean, he never no. really stopped acting, but he's been like in a lot of... He never stopped acting. He just stopped being demanded for it. Well, he's more like a character actor now. And he was in a lot of movies that Mike Flanagan directed. So he was in Ouija Origin of Evil. He was like the priest. And then he's in Gerald's Game. Yeah. Where he's like the dad who's a molester. Yeah. And that's like he has a part in Dr. Sleep that I don't know if I should spoil. Oh, you better not. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a an interesting thing for him to be. But he just pops up and stuff. And it, he's kind of gotten a more character actor horror i don't know if you ever really stop acting i think it's just a matter of will people put you in things well when you compare it to the career mike's had i never stopped being interested in dating women but 
you know <laughs> at a certain point you don't have a say in it anymore right but i mean look at the career that mike's had compared to him i mean elliot's been in tons okay of listen mike is an exceptionally sad story <laughs> is he i don't know if you got to look at his hair and that <laughs> i'm sure it's not but... like that now that was like 20 years ago <laughs> he's probably bald now oh no okay so let's jump into it a group of aliens is in the forest collecting plants Seems yeah. to be an intergalactic botany club of some kind. They seem to just be grabbing plants, and then when you see it's a, inside their ship, they have all kinds of weird-looking plants. Yeah. It is a strange inspiration to come to Earth. We don't really get the full scope of sure, their plan. Sure, I just think but... that they, they're like, well, what's something that we can have them do that indicates that they are peaceful and not any threat? Sure. So right off the bat, you're not thinking about them coming to take over Earth or hurt people in any way yeah it's what's the most benign thing we can have them doing (laughs) oh let's have them uh, grab a couple plants peaceful aliens some government agents show up out of the blue to spoil the party part of the x-files crew unclear how they knew that this is where the aliens were well there's a whole movie about that too right i mean like there's definitely a movie about mom and like (laughs) what's going on with her dating life yeah but i i do think that there's kind of a movie about this group of special agents turns out they're all it's like they're all scullies basically i guess keys is kind of like a molder well keys is supposed to be the i don't know the kind-hearted one that yeah supposed molder's to kind-hearted i think think is like the good guy yeah but, but yeah. i'm just saying like when you know once we get to the end like the rest of them seem to have like a lot of background in the medical field yeah i mean their whole quarantine procedures make zero sense <laughs> They're like, well, the fact that they have like the, astronaut costumes. The alien died, so I guess we can all take our masks off because if it was contaminating the air before, it's definitely not now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just it's very strange. When the government agents show up in their jeeps and their flashlights and everything, I do the, love the way this is shot, though. This is awesome. Like that weird, like hurriedness to it. There's a lot of, like, silhouettes in this movie. Right, yes. Used to great effect at various times. But the ship flees in a hurry. Actually, in the original version of this movie, when they all show up here, they're all holding guns instead of flashlights. No, no that's not this part. <laughs> yeah, I know. They restored the guns in this version yeah, that I, we watched. I know, which was fun. But I was thinking, though, no one brought a camera or anything. They know what they're looking for. They are, I guess, collecting information. They show It up. is weird. Were they scoping out this spot? I don't know. Has this been a spot that the ship has returned to? It... Somehow they knew this was going to happen. I don't yeah. know if they... They got on site pretty quick. Maybe it was on some sort of a radar or something. Yeah. I don't know. But so... no one brought a camera to, like, like, let's document any of this. I will say, Spielberg does have a way of making even, like, Jeeps just pull up to the scene of whatever in the middle of the woods seem cool. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It seems cool. The Jeeps all pull up. People get out. They're throwing their flashlights around, was, chasing an alien as it scurries through the woods. I don't even woods. know if that's like Spielberg so much as it is just like the class of another era. That's true. Yeah. It just seems like everything was thought out more of like, how can we make every shot somewhat interesting? Yeah. Because I seem to remember a lot of visuals from my childhood being like this, seeming much more urgent and interesting and and action-packed even when like there's really no action in this scene i know but it just felt like something was happening we are just like the kings of just like man everything used to be so much better yeah that's pretty much 
yeah. the synopsis of this podcast. And life, though. <laughs> so the aliens leave one behind. E.T.'s dumbass couldn't get back to the <laughs> yeah, ship. Yeah, he was like, I gotta check out more flowers. <laughs> this fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, this movie is about the dumb alien that couldn't get back on a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, who they also didn't feel like it was worth sticking around for. <laughs> like, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back later. The movie takes place in the San Fernando Valley. It looks very similar to Poltergeist, as we pointed out. It's hard to get a read on what exactly is going on in this neighborhood, which we'll get yeah. to here. Although in a possible, second. this neighborhood was also built on a graveyard, and they didn't. You move moved the, the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> Elliot, his brother Michael, and Michael's friends are gathered around a table. In a very 80s-style kitchen, yeah. that table in the round with the bench seat that goes around it. Yeah. I love that look. So do I. That needs and to come back. I, I just love this vibe. It's just I like- I love 80s kitchens. Being like a whatever, <laughs> preteen, young teenager, hanging with your friends, Friday night, ordering pizza. God, yeah. uh, it just brings me back to a time when I could still feel joy in this world. C. Thomas Howell from The Outsiders, Pony Pony Boy, Boy. one of the friends. There are a lot of little moments in this movie that don't quite make sense to me or add up. We talked about a few of them before we got on mic. I don't know that we need to necessarily point out every single one, but since this is the first one that I noticed, Elliot really wants to play D&D with the friends. And they're kind of, you know, he's the tag-along little brother. They're kind of not letting him at first. And they're like, all right, we'll go outside and wait for the pizza man. He's bringing the pizza. And they give him the money, I guess, to give the delivery guy. Yeah. And as he's, like, leaving, the one guy's like, get sausage and a lot of pepperoni. And the other one's like, everything except the little fish. And it's like, well, is the delivery guy just bringing a selection (laughs) of pizzas? I don't understand how this is working. I know. And... I was also thinking to myself during this part, for some reason, growing up in the 90s, obviously this movie came out in 82, and like I think this was a thing in the 80s that led into the 90s, but I feel like there was like a lot of jokes about anchovies on pizzas. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's yeah, there that, definitely was. I don't know what the deal was, but that seemed like something that was constantly being worked into movies. I guess people just like could not get wrap their mind around how disgusting it was. I, I know, and it's just like eventually it just sort of faded out into obscurity because it's just like I don't even think like every pizza place offers them now. I'm sure I, I some would think still mostly do. not. Some must still do though, right? I guess so. I do just feel like it was one of those things that was able to like stick around as a joke and something to reference like yeah forever. And I, I just remember like even being a kid playing baseball or whatever that was something that would still be like joked about even though it's like no one's ever met anyone that ordered a pizza with anchovies on it i think i had an uncle do it once i don't know (laughs) it's like an urban legend (laughs) i knew a guy who knew a guy so they send him outside to get the pizza from the guy we go back inside we first meet mary the mother played by d wallace she's bending over to put some dishes in the dishwasher and i noticed that actually See Thomas Howell like reaches out with his finger like he's gonna touch her butt until Michael, her son, the older brother, yells at him to not do it. Well, yeah, it's just like good lord. I mean, you know what it's like when you're a, a young male and like one of your friend's moms is smoking hot. Oh, I do know what that's like. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's a hard world to live in. What can be said about D. Wallace? Just a so pretty in this movie. <laughs> I am also so in on D. Wallace. I feel like a lot of people would watch this movie and be like, 
I, I I'm not seeing it. I don't know what all no, the fuss she's is about. The, no, she's insanely pretty. Okay, all right, this. you Good. can tell. Yeah, but everyone knows it's an agreed upon fact. Yeah. How else did she get this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't she know. She certainly like, wasn't bringing. A she was like my prototype though for moms and movies because of my seeing this movie as a young kid. Yeah. I obviously hadn't seen a lot of movies. I wasn't super familiar with moms from movies. You were like, I wish that was my mom. <laughs> Yeah, she's always had this special place in my mind as a mom. Yeah. And never really thought of her too much in a sexual way no, until no. rewatching it now and being like, God <laughs> yeah. damn it, what a milf. Yeah, she's America's mom. Whew. Yeah, she was like early 30s at this point, looking real good. And yeah. I was telling you about her 80s run. The weird thing is, is you're older than her. Oh, I am, yeah. Yeah. It, she's like 32 right. or 33 or something. I actually like meant that. you're older than her right now. No, she's older than my parents. <laughs> she was in The Howling, E.T., Critters, and Cujo all wow. in the 80s. What a she run. became a horror legend. She still does a lot of horror movies, including Rob Zombie's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> can't even say movies. Elliot's bringing the pizza in. He hears something in the tool shed. He throws the ball in. The ball comes back out. Obviously, Pretty something's quickly. in there. Yeah. <laughs> He runs inside. He tells people. Of course, no one believes him. They all go outside to That's check. That's the thing. I, I do, you do wonder. It's like ET not really trying to be a little bit more deceptive about what you're doing. ET seems to have a preternatural instinct to know who the kids are, sure, and that they're going to be safe, and then to kind of run and hide from the adults. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone with a flashlight. So they go outside. They don't see it. They think it's like a coyote or something. They think Elliot's making. Which is it actually up. terrifying, by the way. It's like if there's coyotes just hanging out this close to your house. Well, it's California, man. That's true. Later on in the movie, we'll see that houses are still being built in this development. We'll see like a lot of people. It's like definite suburban sprawl, a lot of houses, a lot of people around. What's the deal with this cornfield right next to their house and behind it? I don't Where, know. I, what, what is well, going on here in this neighborhood? That it's there's still just a lot a of development. There? It, uh, listen, they're sunsetting the agriculture. <laughs> It's, you know, we're moving towards just like suburbia taking over everything. Okay. So there's a commentary on that going on. That's right. As well. Later at night, Elliot comes back outside to try to find it after no one believes him that there was anything there. I swear that ball came back out at me. He goes looking through that cornfield with a flashlight. He comes face to face with E.T. They both scream. E.T. flees. So now he knows something's out there, but he doesn't know exactly what it is. It's so much worse than anything you ever would have expected. The only thing I can think of is that he sees that it's scared of him, so that maybe makes him less scared of it okay. than he would be. I can get behind that. Because it ran away from him, and so he, he sees that it's like this small little guy. It's clearly something no one's ever seen before. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would think that if this happened to me at that age, I mean, I would be terrified. and would <laughs> well, not want to like, go anywhere near what it. What is it? A coyote that could rip you apart? No. A weird brown alien with telekinesis. Well, he doesn't know about any of the special powers. True. So the next morning, Elliot goes out with some Reese's Pieces that he starts throwing around. We yeah. mentioned it already. There's something that's used to lure both E.T. and you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Love Reese's Pieces. <laughs> some people would argue E.T. better body, though. Uh, well, similar. <laughs> similar shape. Yeah. The next day, we meet. Michael and Elliot's little sister, Gertie, played by tiny little Drew Barrymore. Of course. Who would have a big Just 80s run. Just stealing the show. Yeah. Super cute. 
definitely reminded me a little bit of Gabby Hoffman from Uncle Buck. Yeah. Just a lot of facial expressions. I mean, <laughs> heartbreaking moments later when Gertie is crying, when they're like zapping E.T. to try to bring it back. Yes. <laughs> Just a lot to deal with yeah, when you're a little kid watching this. Yeah, parts that are hard to watch. But she says a lot of funny things, and some of them were off the cuff. Imp- right. Improvs. She would just say stuff. Well, she definitely represents, like, the character that's just pure child, basically. Because, like, Elliot and Michael definitely are going through this thing of, like, they're Where's definitely... Dad? Right. <laughs> yeah, they're kids, but they're trying to figure out their roles and find their way in life. Whereas like, Gertie, I think, is just straight kid. Elliot trying to convince his mom and Michael that there's something out there. They're not believing him. Michael's kind of making fun of it. What are you going as for Halloween? I'm not going to stupid Halloween. Why don't you go as a goblin? Shut up. It's not that we don't believe you, honey. Well, it was real, I swear! What are you going as, Gert? I'm going as a cowgirl. So, what else is here? Maybe it was an iguana. It was no iguana. Maybe a, uh, you know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. All we're trying to say is maybe you just probably imagined it. I couldn't have imagined it. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath. Elliot, (laughs) sit down. Dad would believe me. Maybe you ought to call your father and tell him about it. I can't. He's in Mexico with Sally. Where's Mexico? If you ever see it again, whatever it is, don't touch it. Just call me and we'll have somebody come and take it away. (laughs) Elliot calls Michael penis breath, (laughs) which is pretty funny. Yeah, and kind of a wild insult to be in a PG movie. Yeah, it definitely was something that, like, was shocking, I think, for me as a kid. I mean, because it's... It's definitely like the most extreme I guess I don't think dialogue I, in the movie. You know, when I was a kid, I was putting any thought into like what that would mean. Yeah. Like how does one end up with penis breath? <laughs> I don't know, ask I, your mother. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I wasn't connecting those dots at that time, you know. I love that like Mary is like trying to yell at him, but she just laughs. It's it's so insane. Yeah, well she's like one of the kids, really. Yeah, she's definitely one of the kids. Yeah. But Elliot, whose feelings are hurt that no one believes him, says that dad would believe him. And then he reveals that dad is in Mexico with Sally, (laughs) which just stuns everybody at the table. Because I'm not sure if maybe Michael knew too, but he's like stunned that he said it out loud. Yeah. And it is kind of cute that Michael is like so defensive, like of his mom because he is the oldest son and he's just like what the fuck's wrong with you yeah (laughs) why would you do that it is a harsh thing to bring up because then mom's gotta go stand at the counter and cry (laughs) out the window (laughs) 
So let's think about it. Who is their dad? This fucking cool guy that can just leave <laughs> D. Wallace in the lurch and I go do down love to Mexico the idea with of just Sally. Like, I, that there's like this babe out there that's able to just like lure this guy away from his family altogether. Well, it's not I just mean, like you're just married. It's a harsh reality. Yeah. That people face. Right. I, it's probably like Ana de Armas, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, if it is, then it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next day or the next night, later that night, Reese's pieces again come into play as a lure, and Elliot manages to reel E.T. in and basically get him to come inside his house. I mean, a lot of things just happen very quickly. That's true. He's yeah. gotten over any potential fright over what this creature is, and next thing you know, he's bringing it into the house, and E.T.'s mimicking things that Elliot's doing. and No one really lingers on the fact that he's an alien for very long well yeah even at that a certain first point, he night just feels like a pet it's like well he hides et in the closet so that the next morning he can fake sick but leading up to that was he sleeping <laughs> would you be able to sleep knowing there know. was an alien in your room yeah or did he just stay up the whole night i don't know it's kind of like a, when furbies came out yeah it is like that let's not get let's not spend too much time thinking that this is like a fucking alien it's just like this adorable thing that's going to be part of the family. Is that what you thought about your Furby? I did, yeah. I was like, we can teach it how to talk. Elliot fakes sick in the morning so that he can stay home with E.T. And I definitely learned a trick from this movie. <laughs> holding As the, did I, holding the yes. Thermometer I, up I would to use this. Although, like, it can shoot up to an absurd level yeah. real quick. <laughs> and it's hard not to, like, think about just how many attempts I made to, like, not go to school. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's really crazy. <laughs> and listen, my parents were always like, you're going. Now, it worked sometimes. There were times where I was able to get it sorted out. <laughs> God, how good were those days? I was yeah. just eating freezer pizzas, watching Mortal Kombat. <laughs> wait, like wait the movie? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, Pete and Pete did that great episode about faking a sick day. Yeah, it was just such it good It was very times. relatable. Right. <laughs> Elliot shows E.T. a bunch of things, like his Star Wars toys and his pet fish and all that stuff. I was thinking, like, E.T.'s probably bored as fuck. Like, this fucking well, kid won't shut up yeah. about his dumb toys. Much like the never-ending story audio commentary we did, I, I do feel like Elliot's very similar to no. Bastion. Elliot is fine. He's nowhere near as terrible uh, as him. Okay, well, that, I, that makes me feel better. I mean, when Elliot is playing with his little action figures from Star Wars... I do think like, that you could interpret this as Elliot is very lonely because yeah. they never really show him as having a friend in the movie. No. I mean, I mean he does make an insane him? move on the Jonas class. But <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. <laughs> Who seems to like him already? Because she keeps saying hi to him sure. at the bus stop for some yeah, reason. Yeah, he's basically like oblivious to it. <laughs> it is weird how she says hi to him multiple times. Well, that's the thing. That's how you win him over. Ignore him. Yeah. You know, but it, it works. But it it does seem like he doesn't have a friend. Yes. And E.T. is like his well, he's first just like friend. Desperately trying to be friends with his brother and that group of friends. Yeah, which I think is I didn't have an older brother, but that feels real. I think to so. Me. I do feel like Elliot does have some meh, I just think that he's a little bit off putting. <laughs> I don't know that he's uh Yeah, well I think he's coming out of a traumatic thing. I think he's supposed to be the one that the divorce has hit the hardest and he just sure. kind of 
is in denial about it. I think like the I do think divorce is one thing. Your dad going to Mexico with some like vixen is a completely other thing to come to terms with. Yeah, because it becomes like he's choosing something else other than you. Yeah. Although you would probably grow up and like get a a picture or something and be like, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> what do you mean a picture? You know, you see the girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant like a literal picture. <laughs> a postcard from Mexico. You can see where there's information that has been taken out of the movie, probably. Because this first sick day goes by in like two seconds. And then all of a sudden, yeah. Michael's home. And Elliot shows Michael. And while he's in the process of showing Michael, Gertie walks in. Of course, screaming, chaos ensues, shelves knocked off the wall. Oh, yeah. Everyone's freaking out. Mike, Mike, come in. How you feeling, Faker? I'm feeling fine. Look, I've got something really you know, important said to tell you. said he got 69,000 on asteroids yesterday, but he pulled the plug. Look, remember the goblin? You're so lame, Elliot. On Michael, he came back. He came back? He came back? Oh, my God! One thing! I have absolute power. Say it. Say it! What have you got? Is it the coyote? No. Look. Okay. Now, swear it. The most excellent promise you can make. Swear as my only brother on our lives. Don't get so heavy, I swear. Okay, um, stand over there. And, um, you'd better take off your shoulder. What? You might scare him. And, um, close your eyes. Don't push it, Elliot. I'm not coming out there until your eyes are closed. Okay, they're closed. I'm just gonna kill you. Okay, uh, swear it one more time. I have absolute... You have absolute power! Yes! Like you've pointed out, people kind of come to grips with it pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it's just like E.T.'s part of the family. There's some anonymous government agents in pursuit. We've already kind of mentioned Keys, played by Peter Coyote, who I hate <laughs> for personal reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the next day is a school day, and he has to leave E.T. at home. I just wanted to touch on this real quick because it's one of the more famous scenes where Mary, the mother, looks at the big pile of stuffed animals Yes. And doesn't notice E.T.'s face in there. Right. I think that was Robert Zemeckis's idea to put that scene in there. Oh, wow. It's kind of just a cool, funny thing. And the idea is, of course, Mary is oblivious and doesn't ever see E.T. Yeah. Until the very end. E.T. stays home alone. He's drinking Coors. I do love that Mary just so, keeps a six-pack of Coors for herself in the fridge. Yeah, that's true. Pretty badass for yeah, a single so. mom. Right. Just getting drunk on a weeknight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Mary's a hip lady, but this is one thing that I don't understand. When does the telekinetic connection Well, the telepathic the connection start? between E.T. and Elliot seems to sync up now. I mean, there's really no, like, 
there's moment no that lead starts. Into it, yeah. it seems something that's it beyond either of their control. Maybe. It, yeah, it starts at a time when neither of them t- are together, I guess, which is kind of weird. Well, that's the first time it's noticeable, yeah. So E.T. starts drinking those beers and out of the fridge, and he's watching TV and eating food. Meanwhile, Elliot's in class, and he's starting to get buzzed, which is actually <laughs> funny. But certainly not something that I picked up on watching this. I think all of this telepathic this shit went over my sequence, head. I don't even. I, this almost doesn't even like. I don't really remember it. Like from watching this as a kid, it's a very weird scene. But I don't know. I found it kind of wonderful and memorable. I don't know. Now it definitely seems weird what it leads up to with the kiss. Now it is hilarious. When he just sort of like stands on top of well, that yeah. other Okay, dude. so yeah. they're gonna dissect frogs, but of course which of course they seem way too young to be doing. <laughs> I know. I mean, I how old are they? Like ten and they're dissecting frogs yeah. that are alive? And they they actually are gonna kill them right I, in front of the kids. I couldn't even handle that as like a senior in high school. Yeah, we didn't do it until like well into high school and it was disgusting. Yeah. I refused to touch anything. <laughs> By the way, it made everyone <laughs> yeah. else do it, but whatever. So that was the key to any like science lab was just like get someone else who would yeah. be like willing to like turn on a Bunsen burner or whatever because it ain't me. Elliot, I guess, recognizes something in the frogs comparable to ET, so he decides to save them. He's running around just taking them out of the jars and letting them free. It's just a this weird, wild scene that doesn't seem to even fit in the movie yet to me just was like so visually striking and interesting yeah and it builds to et watching john wayne kiss maureen o'hara in the quiet man on television back at home while at school elliot kisses a girl in his class that he likes in the same manner and as they're about to kiss you're like he's so much shorter than her oh yeah and then that big kid just kind of falls onto the ground in front of her, and he stands on the kid's I back. I love that. It's hilarious. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I, and I know it's kids, and it's meant to be innocent. I do feel like this scene would come under scrutiny today still. For some reason, I feel like it was okay in the 80s, and we could understand like the innocence behind it. But now, it's, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. Are you saying because there's not enough consent building up to it? I just don't think it's something they would put in a movie now, like him going for the kiss and everything. No, I mean, she seemed into it. I think so. I mean, I think if the people are young enough, it's kind of just seen as like, it's not like it was like full on like tongue or anything. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty chaste. I mean, it wasn't like anything too serious. I don't I think know. It was, I think it's fine. I think it's fine, too. I just think that people react to things more harshly now and- well, sure. I mean, there's a million things that people would react to. I mean, is saying penis breath a gay slur? Oh, wow. I never <laughs> even thought of that. I mean, there's a million things that you could pick out from e. movies that are 30-something years old. This movie's yeah. almost 40 years old now. So, Elliot doesn't really get in trouble for this, though. No, this is another moment that it feels like stuff was cut out because they call Mom this is- to come pick him up but like and she's at the house this is okay she comes home with this is the moment i mentioned earlier she's bringing gertie home and gertie of course great at keeping promises immediately is like there he is the man from the moon yeah but mary's not paying any attention she keeps failing to see et and while this is all happening she's noticing like empty beer cans and then she gets this call from the school yeah telling her to come pick up elliot and based on what she's saying on the phone they're clearly telling her that he's acting drunk and she sees the beer cans. And yeah, so well, you're like, oh, 
well, this is going to be something. And then it just cuts to like later on. It never is really brought up. I mean, this movie basically is Uncle Buck. No, it's not. It's not Uncle Buck. <laughs> it's just like a series of events that don't add up. No, to there's just a few things that you can see where they kind of just trim stuff to to keep it moving yeah. forward. In this moment, though, when it's Gertie and E.T. and Sesame Street is on, E.T. starts to talk out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we get the iconic phrase "E.T. phone home." He seems very interested in this Buck Rogers comic strip in the newspaper showing a UFO. Sure. <laughs> they definitely are weaving in as many like sci-fi references as they can. Well, yeah, but it's a way for him to express what he wants. Yeah. And I mean, he says Which phone Which is home to get the eventually. fuck out of here. Yeah, he's like, my friends left me. <laughs> it's actually kind of <laughs> sad. Get back to them, yeah. Everyone's just like looking away like, Turns oh, God. Turns out the flowers uh, aren't that great here. I would like to go. <laughs> The government still looking. They're using like audio surveillance in a van, kind of just driving around. It's very like Patriot Act. <laughs> this is like post 9-11 protocol right now to get <laughs> E.T. back. Yeah. Or get him. I don't, I don't even know if they know That's what right. he looks like. Microprocessors. You don't know what they are. I don't know what the fuck they are. Who gives a shit? E.T. starts declining in health, though, which is pointed out by Michael. And when he says this to Elliot, Elliot just casually starts referring to E.T., as we and michael's like what is this we shit what do you mean yeah elliot cuts his finger on a saw which is definitely something i remembered as a kid that seeing that for some reason that really jumped out to me i will say uh, yeah i was terrified of table saws et uses his glowing finger to heal it which of course i guess makes people think of jesus as well he's got this healing ability i would just be like you can do that you can do like, that, yet we're both almost dying in the next 20 minutes I know. of the well, movie. Well, <laughs> again, I have some opinions on what is going on with E.T. at the end of this. This whole death thing, I mean, it, was this a complete fake out? No, I don't think so. I think... The love brought him back? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's open to interpretation. <laughs> but I will say, if I was Elliot right now and I saw this like heel move happen, I would just be like seeing dollar signs. <laughs> I'm like, how can we exploit this? Can you heal my parents' marriage? Oh, no. (laughs) That's beyond repair, son. E.T. starts to put together this device to contact his home planet made from a speak and spell and various other objects, the science of which is completely unexplained. And thank God. (laughs) Thank God they're just like, yeah, this works. Whatever. (laughs) I think that same bandsaw is in the mix, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on. One of the more memorable parts is Halloween, and this leads into a whole crossover into the next morning and everything. This is kind of like one of the big moments. Yeah. I always found, as a little kid watching this, I always found Elliot's face paint disturbing. I this think whole, so. This whole like, sequence was always very upsetting, staying out overnight and his face paint, which makes him look weird. And then, Yeah. I don't know. It just, it's also strange that uh, Michael wants to go as a terrorist for Halloween. That's another part where she's yelling at him about being a terrorist, and then when he comes in, he's clearly not a terrorist anymore. Yeah. So it's like, well, what did that look like? <laughs> I'd love to know right. <laughs> what that was like in they 1982. Felt like it was in poor taste, so they took it out. <laughs> E.T. was actually like predicting the attack on the World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the Mothman. So they sneak E.T. out. Pretending that he's Gertie, like, in a sheet as, like, a ghost. And yeah. I definitely... It's they're, like, walking around the neighborhood, and, like, there's those silhouettes. Yes. On the sun and everything. Especially that one shot from, like, up on a hill. It looks straight out of that 
I love brief it. moment of Halloween three. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? When they're like showing the different time zones, they're yep. like Los Angeles. And then that picture was like on that really shitty poster that they had, like the original Halloween three poster. That's true. And that like, it almost looks exactly like it. And then I was like, well, that came out the same year as this. Wow. What a year. <laughs> Which one made more money though? <laughs> I'm sure it was close. I think Halloween three made like a buck seventy five <laughs> at the theater. Yeah, total. While they're out and there's other trick or treaters, they pass Yoda and ET seems to recognize Yoda. That's true. And so then ET for everyone pops up in Phantom Menace, as you pointed out. I've still never noticed it somehow watching Phantom Menace. Yeah, but... it's not great. I mean, it's in like the Senate of Coruscant or whatever. They're plotting something. I'm sure that Palpatine was doing. It's cool it, that people were dressed up as Yoda, though, because it's I mean, weird, that's like, post-Empire, but pre-Jedi. It's more strange at this time because it's like a fun thing that we know and love and recognize. But in 82, were people like aware of this relationship between Spielberg and Lucas? And Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent. Okay. They had already worked Casual on... moviegoers? Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark had come out by now, Okay, by that point. And they had done that together. I guess I probably just. I mean, like, not everyone was probably knowing that they were friends, but they knew what the reference was. Okay. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know if you need to know their relationship. I mean, it's just a fun it's, little. Okay. Right. All right. It's fine. Because even yeah. if you're not thinking, oh well, these two have. Why a would some? If Star Wars and ET both exist in the same universe, why would there be someone dressed up like Yoda on Earth? It doesn't make any sense because then it wouldn't be a movie; it would be sure. real. Yeah, but it's just supposed to be funny. I mean, I don't it think is. the logic right. of it really matters. I enjoy it. And they throw a little bit of Yoda's music from Empire into it because obviously John Williams. So while they're riding through the woods, I don't know why they feel like they have to go to the woods to do this. I guess because no one will see ET. I don't know. It just seemed like they go out into the middle of nowhere for him to make this call. Yeah, I don't get it either. How they came up with this being the right place. How Elliot even knows what to do, because he somewhat helps like set it up. Or like where they're heading. Yeah, this is the first time we see the flying bike. Sure. And then the swelling music. The iconic shot. The silhouette. Over the moon. Passing across the moon. Which we basically now know is like Spielberg's yeah. icon for his fucking production company or whatever, Amblin. Let's talk a little bit about Mom's cat costume, though. I love it. Listen, I'm telling you, I am completely in on a whole other movie just about mom where like the kids. Yeah, that movie's called Secretary and it stars her and me. Absolutely. (laughs) But I I love the movie I'm picturing. It's all about mom's like, you know, dating life and like what's going on. It's real dark. But there's still an alien in it. (laughs) Like the kids and the alien are just like in the background. Just background characters. Where she never sees the alien, yeah. the audience is like, is that an alien walking around? What's going on? It's just such an afterthought. So this is probably the part where you thought she was going to a party. I don't really know what she was doing, but I sensed that she was I, I frustrated guess... and went out looking for the kids because they were wow. late. So like she dressed up in this like cat getup just to hang out at home? To That's... give out candy to trick-or-treaters? I don't know. Wow. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I feel I'm... like if she went to a party, we would have seen it. Yeah. Maybe we should have watched the deleted scenes. <laughs> Because I don't think I ever have in my life, and yeah. we chose not to specifically. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I never really know how to do this for this show, because sometimes I'm like, well, I watch the deleted scenes, and then I feel like I mentioned the deleted scenes like 40 times, and it's like, well, just focus on the movie. That's a good point. I like to stay with the, the actual movie. So when no one's home, the men in suits move in. They've narrowed it all down now. They know it's this house based on stuff they overheard with their surveillance. 
I don't know exactly what they're doing. It's never really clear. It seems like they're running tests on things. Yeah. I love how they're just like plugging into an outlet in the hall and then taking it into like Elliot's room, whatever that machine is. I just thought it was funny that they're just like, oh, I'm going to plug into this outlet and use an extension cord. It's like, <laughs> okay. I mean, how do they know that no one's going to be home in the next five seconds? It's like they just, they're in there doing a whole thing. I guess they can do whatever they want, it seems like. No warrant. Right, but okay, so mom comes back without the alien, and then what? You know, I don't know. It just seems like it would blow up in their face. Well, So they make an attempt to phone home in the woods, Elliot and E.T. It seems like that's successful, but we, I mean, I don't know. How do we know? Elliot's like, it's working. It's like, I don't know how he knows that. Listen, this alien just threw a bunch of shit together. (laughs) Well, clearly he's smart. It seems like he would have just been fine just to stick his finger up in the air and been like, anybody out there? (laughs) Everything is kind of falling apart for E.T. He has deteriorating health. Elliot wakes up in the daylight. E.T. is missing. I didn't really. I I got to tell you, I don't get this part like at all. What do you mean? Uh, I just think he wandered off, and then he just got in worse health and then fell into that ravine or whatever that thing is. It's strange. We go to the scene where they're out in the woods with this apparatus. Feels like they're somewhat on the right path. Next thing we know, Elliot's passing out, and fucking E.T.'s like laying in a ravine. Yeah, I guess you could say that their declining health is why he passed out but i don't know yeah it's not really explained why it jumps from one thing it's to like another. covered in like frost or something the only thing <laughs> the only thing i can think is that et being on our planet is not good for him and since they have this telepathic connection it's affecting okay. elliot gotcha elliot returns back to his house to his distraught family but doesn't know what's going on tells mike to go find et Mike rides around literally yelling E.T. in the woods, which I thought was funny. <laughs> E.T. Yeah, which really isn't his name. I think he... He's okay with identifying. He, yeah, because... they called him that, and he's like, E.T. Yeah, yeah. I heard Deborah Winger was like one of the voices they mixed in, but I mean... I How did know. that come to be? I don't know. There were a lot of different things they combined to get that voice. I, Pretty I big know. Deborah Winger fan over here, so... I, I don't it. know if that's urban legend or if that's true. I mean, it's one of those things you see pop up as like one of the voices at mixed in there, but I don't know. Mike finally finds him, and E.T. is in rough shape. He looks bad. And from here on until the point where he comes back from the dead, I mean, this was just a traumatic just a 30 minutes for me. Just decline into I could not death. deal with this as a child. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I have a nephew who's oh, no. four years old. Okay. And my brother-in-law was telling me, like, oh, I don't know. I want to, like, show him the Goonies, and I don't know how old he should be to see it. Two. And I was like, well, these are the type of movies that I saw. Like, I I was super familiar with Star Wars, E.T., and all this stuff before the age of five, really. Really? I mean, if you're not watching, like, Goodfellas and Taxi Driver by, like, six. But, no, this kid could not handle the Goonies. I mean, Sloth is, like, way too scary. Wow. And I was just thinking about this. I don't even want to know this kid. I was thinking, I mean, they're like watching like not not even Transformers, like yeah. the Rescue Bots, which is like the very childlike Transformers thing. But anyway, I'm just, what I'm saying is like, I feel like, yeah, today's kids are probably too sensitive to see stuff like this. But this is the type of stuff I was seeing like at a young age. And this was just so upsetting. The next like 30 minutes of this movie. Oh, I know. Seeing E.T. be all white like this. I, I couldn't I deal with it. <laughs> I mean, it was just too much. <laughs> I was just beside myself. Yeah, it's hard, man. 
I mean, it's a sad thing to see this lovely, nice, adorable alien just continue to well, die. It's very over traumatic. The next like the kids are screaming and crying and just like throwing themselves. Well, on it really the floor. is. Yeah, it's a lot. To and take. you are just like, man, adults are horrible. Well, the government people break into the house at the same time, basically, that they finally show this thing to their mom. So Mary sees it for the first time, and she doesn't even know what she's looking at. Because at first she's just like, that's great. Like, as if it's like a costume or a, a toy or something. She as if it looks like a costume. But she, I mean, I think her reaction is probably one of the more genuine reactions. Because it's almost like your brain is just like not, right. what am I looking at? Like, you're not even getting it. Doesn't it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just, you're almost like rejecting it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, this isn't real. And at that point, then, the spacemen, like, basically in full-on NASA suits, break <laughs> into the reason. house. They're faceless, menacing. And for some reason, they basically convert the first floor of their house into this makeshift hospital. This weird, like, quarantine zone. With tents and tubes and everything going from all these different places. They're questioning the family. They're treating Elliot and E.T., and they're both like laid out on these tables like next to each other it's very upsetting are they aware of the connection like why is elliot really being treated too it seems like it because they notice that everything is in sync and then eventually because then when the telepathic connection breaks they yeah say that out loud i guess almost as a way to explain it to the audience it does introduce this idea that it is the x-files there is this group of government agents who have just been aware because they're very casual about this whole thing yeah. It's almost like a novelty to them. They're like, oh, we found an alien. Let's see what we can do to fuck well, with it. Well, eventually, Keyes is like, I've wanted this since I was 10 years old. And yeah. he seems like the true believer. Elliot, I've been to the forest. Shouldn't talk now. Well, he has to talk now, Major. Elliot, that machine. What does it do? Communicator? Is it still working? It's doing something. What? I really shouldn't tell. He came to me. He came to me. Elliot, he came to me too. I've been wishing for this since I was 10 years old. I don't want him to die. What can we do that we're not already doing? He needs to go home. He's calling his people. I don't know where they are. He needs to go home. Elliot, I don't think that he was left here intentionally. But his being here is a miracle, Elliot. It's a miracle. And you did the best that anybody could do. I'm glad he met you first. Spielberg directed... A lot of these people were real the nurses Cigarette-smoking man, like in the other room. And he directed them to act as if this was a real patient and treat E.T. like a real human. Yeah. So... They're just doing, like, their training as nurses and stuff and doctors. And they were, like, not really actors. They were just kind of actual medical, uh, professionals. medical professionals. 
E.T. dies. Very traumatic. Gertie in tears. Yeah. Very upsetting. I oftentimes, though, am like trying to figure out, like, was this a planned fake out? It could be. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get like how he just gets better. Is See, it because I think his... if, if you're saying that it's a fake out, though, I think that's kind of it takes away from him because he's kind of putting Elliot through the beginning of it. And that seems yeah. like something he wouldn't. Do. I know. I don't think it makes sense for the movie that it's a fake out, but I, I don't really get what actually happens. How does Elliot will him back to life? Well, Elliot was like, you're hurting him. You're exasperating the situation. So I, I was thinking like maybe the stuff they were doing was not helping but hurting. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a couple of like weird moments here. First of all, like I said, the illogical safety precautions that they just kind of throw out the window as soon as he dies. Like they're all taking their masks off, even <laughs> though the alien is still right there. All right, I'm calling it. And then Keys makes this decision, but everyone goes along with it where they're like, well, let's leave Elliot alone with him for a few minutes, which also just seems like something that would never happen. This is the greatest discovery in the history of <laughs> mankind where right. you leave this child alone with it. It is shocking. I don't know. Keys all of a sudden being introduced as this guy who has this like empathy for yeah, and it's not until Elliot's situation with the alien. E.T. is like on the verge of death and in this big climactic moment where you finally see an adult other than Mary's face because yeah. then you see Keys and it's all very deliberate the way he like swoops in. And so when Elliot's left alone with him, at the last second, E.T. kicks out at like two and three quarters before the ref hits three. <laughs> That's right. The flowers that he had revived earlier in the movie, which have now died, which signified him dying, the flowers are revived again. And E.T. somehow expresses to Elliot, like, hey, my people are coming. So, well, that's what I was wondering, too, is like, is so yeah. that the thing that's like, yeah, I think so. That, okay. that could that could be more logical, I guess, of yeah. an explanation. If they travel around to all these different planets collecting plants, then there must be something reviving about their ship to allow them to do this, or right. else they would have faced this kind of issue probably before. So yeah, once that I guess, ship I mean, starts getting into the air, This is a species that knows how to heal things, you know? Yeah. Must be dead. Because I don't know how to feel. I can't feel anything anymore. You're gone someplace else now. believe in you all my life every day E.T. I love you Phone home. Home. Phone. 
home. Does this mean they're coming? Yes. E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home. Shut up. Oh, phone home. Quiet. Phone, phone, phone. You e. shut phone up. Home. Phone home, E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home. They come up with this wild plan. He's just plan like laughing at these doctors. Where they're like, all right, well. Michael, who's never really driven before, there was like that brief scene of him trying to back out of a driveway. He's going to steal this van that's transporting E.T.'s corpse because they're keeping it a secret from yeah. the government, obviously, that he's come back to life. I will say, as a kid watching this movie, I always loved the two dudes being in that tube. On the back of the van. Yeah. yeah. I was always like, man, that would be awesome to be those two dudes. <laughs> well, the reality is they would probably be dead. Absolutely. If this yeah. was real. Which, like, now I'm like, that would be awesome to be them. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's friends had been hanging around, gathered outside, and as they're in the process of this getaway, they stop and tell them they're enlisted. They're like, meet us at the playground. It's kind of a comedic thing when Michael's driving the van because he's like, how do I get to the playground? And Elliot's like, I don't know. Mom always drives me. I don't oh, know right. streets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true, by the way. Until I started driving myself, I had no idea where the hell we were ever going. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was the same way. We watched the original version with the guns reinserted. Spielberg regretted making that change. Good. It definitely seems like both him and Lucas were of that mindset there for a while, that they needed to go back and like change things. And Spielberg and snapped bizarre. out of it, but Lucas never did. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas doubled down on it. Yeah. So we watched the version where the guys are running to the playground with the guns drawn, and Mary's like, they're children. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, it does seem a little extreme that they're like, what are they going to shoot these kids? On the other hand, <laughs> they probably deserve it. So they meet the friends there, the big chase on bikes. They're driving through various construction areas. I got to say, I love the shot when it's like the three dudes on the bikes putting on the hat and the mask and everything. The one guy... Looked like a like a kid version yes. of Spielberg with yeah. like the headset and everything right. with the curly hair. Yeah, it's kind of fun because Michael's friends are kind of dicks to Elliot earlier in the movie, but the kids kind of it's the gang just jump yeah. in and help. It actually was kind of funny how it's just that thing where yeah, the shit that Michael and Elliot are involved with here seems pretty serious, but that childlike mindset of like well like, these are my friends and that's now i'm in it <laughs> absolutely i get it they just jump right in although there is a point where they're like let's split up and it's like well they can clearly see which bike the alien is sitting in the basket on. i, I know and why it, would they follow the kids that aren't there's no value to the split up i know it does it make... does nothing yeah and they all end up back together and then they're headed towards that police roadblock and then they all lift off the ground as the music yeah. is swelling it's like a huge I know, Great and again, moment. like the effects don't look awesome, but I still love it. I'm 100% in. And it's not unlike the part in Stranger Things when... Yes, absolutely. She does the same thing. Like, she makes them rise over, like, the van. Yeah, or plus she saves what's-his-face when he's, like, going to jump off into that yep. reservoir or whatever that part is. So they eventually make it to the woods, to the spaceship. E.T.'s red glowing heart is going. They all say their goodbyes. Kind of a tearful moment. Keys shows up with Mary, and everyone's kind of just letting this happen now. Well, Keys, this is the thing that's weird about him because you would still think he has his own motives about this stuff. 
Yeah, but he knows what's right, though. Okay, good. He's not going to... Plus, I feel like maybe he's trying to get in with Mary a little bit. Why wouldn't he? I know. I feel like that's your sequel. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Called Nine and a Half Weeks. (laughs) (laughs) The final goodbye with Elliot is pretty emotional. E.T.'s got the glowing finger, and he says, I'll be right here. And he touches his head. Yeah. I guess I don't really know what that means. The the connection between the two. And the ship takes off. Now... I guess there was originally a scene where, like, after this, where they were, like, playing Dungeons and Dragons again, and then Elliot was playing, and there was something that happens where it's clear that, like, E.T. and him were, like, communicating with each other, and he was, like, helping Elliot play the game or something, and it was supposed to signify, like, well, wherever E.T. is, there's still this connection, but they decided that this ending... This emotional ending with the spaceship taking off was just too perfect. I think it's and there right. There's nothing that else that was needed. Yeah, and it is. It's a great ending to a great movie that came out at a time where movies could be much more innocent. I think people now would, like you said. I mean, whether it was the stupid kiss or whether it was some little bit of dialogue or whatever the thing is, I'm sure people would somehow pick this apart and then make it political in some way and just. I don't know, this was at a time where movies could just be like a fun adventure and there wasn't any need to worry about it beyond the fun adventure. Yeah. Plus the I fun should... adventure was enough. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard not to feel like people just keep making the same movies over and over now. And this was just a different time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do need to maybe rethink this podcast a little bit where we just can't always just be like, well so depressed because life sucks now <laughs> and everything was so much better i know but we're <laughs> but true it seems to... like we keep doing it yeah well sometimes you gotta just wear it on your sleeve you know yeah i don't know i thought this would be a fun movie to do for the holiday season because it's, it's a fun family movie and we really haven't done that much spielberg i mean we did jaws did we do anything else i don't think so so i mean yeah we're overdue for some of these big time directors to start it's hitting true. more of their movies i do love et I love Spielberg. It it is just it's this just, movie is. It, I don't think it's Spielberg's best movie, but it's like the most quintessential yeah. Spielbergian type movie. It has all of the check marks: the missing father, the family, the heartwarming, <laughs> the practical effects, all wrapped up in this nice little PG bow that appeals to the whole family. It's just it, it's very much everything. Put the connective one. tissue between like Spielberg movies and also girls that you are interested in dating, the missing father element. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Mary had a father. <laughs> we don't really get a grandparents feel going on in this. So. I'm not thinking so. <laughs> Mary's younger than me. Imagine me having three kids those age. Uh, imagine me having a kid Michael's age. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Like basically a teenager. He's I guess like almost like ready to drive. Wised up as a society where we're just like we're not going to allow that. Yeah, <laughs> the town signs a petition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for ET. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent, stop making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Do we have any uh, recommendations this week? Do you? I don't. I don't think. All right. Well, I'll recommend Knives Out, the okay. new film from Ryan Johnson starring Ana de Armas, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Listen, Daniel Craig, Lakeith Stanfield, yeah, et cetera, A lot et cetera. of people 
you could have stopped it on day Armas, and I would have been like, yep, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It's a really fun movie in the same vein as Agatha Christie stuff or like the movie Clue. The performances are entertaining, and Ana de Armas is essentially like the star. Wow. It's debatable because Daniel Craig has the flashy role of like the yeah. investigator guy, but. Well, she is a star. Yeah. And she's, you know, she, speaking of her and Daniel Craig, she's going to be in the new That's right. James Bond, yeah. which the trailer just came out. So, yeah, I mean, big things on the horizon for her. And Knives Out, I guess, did way better than expected over the oh, big holiday weekend. So, you know, check it out. It's definitely worth seeing in the theater. And my other recommendation is A Muppet Family Christmas, which... Oh, yeah. Wow. In my opinion, is Holy the greatest shit. Christmas special of all time. Absolutely. I can't believe you're recommending this. Well, it's almost impossible to watch because it was released on DVD at one point, although some of the songs had to be taken out, which basically ruined it. Because the songs were only ever cleared for like the initial TV airing in 1987, and so it's never really had a home video release in its complete form. And Disney bought the Muppets... But the Henson Company still owns Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock. And so if you've never seen this, I think your mind was just blown. Because yes, Muppets, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, all in this thing. Wow. All at Fozzie's house. Or no, his mom's house. The old farmhouse. Lots of good songs. It's funny. Like I said, it aired originally in 1987. Now, if it's not streaming anywhere and it's not on DVD, really, or I guess there's some out-of-print version that, like I said, doesn't have some of those songs, then wh- how am I recommending this? Well, <laughs> okay, that's a if good you point. throw it into the old Google machine, it's oh. not that hard to find somewhere to watch it. I'm not going to blow up their spot because I don't want it pulled off yeah, of yeah. where it is, but right. it's not YouTube, but it's easy to find if you want to find it, and yeah. it's worth it, and I watched the whole thing the other night and was thoroughly entertained. It's something that we had taped off of TV at my house okay we had the vhs have you seen it i believe that i have yeah yeah it's it's, it's really just a fun thing where yeah. they just go to that farmhouse and sing songs and there's some jokes what's not to like i also like muppet christmas carol that is available on disney, disney plus. plus yeah i mean along it, with pretty much every other muppet it, it won't be my recommendation just because we can't have two muppet movies <laughs> in the recommendations but i do enjoy it gonzo as charles dickens a great appearance by rizzo the rat just you know the whole gang i love yeah. it and the incomparable michael Caine playing scrooge <laughs> love it yeah the only human oh well, jim henson's at the very end but the only human is the guy from fraggle rock in a okay. family christmas yeah. Fozzie's mom is like gonna go to malibu for christmas so she doesn't know anyone's coming and then it's like a surprise and she was gonna rent her house out to sprocket the dog and the guy from fraggle rock and yeah. then they're all there and then the muppets show up gotta love those crossovers then randomly the sesame street gang shows up singing carols and you're like holy fuck <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like Whole well fam we, even if, like, when you're a kid, maybe you're not putting the pieces together, but of course, the Fraggle Rock guys have to show up at the end, and then, man, it's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's something we used to watch all the time, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like, well, maybe it's streaming somewhere. And then I found out all this shit that, like, the songs aren't cleared, and the rights issues now are all entangled. So the likelihood of this ever getting its proper home Blu ray release or, or whatever, or even just be available to streaming. It just seems unlikely now, which sucks because it's great. So if okay. you remember that, look it up and check it out. And if you've never seen it, I, w- I would definitely recommend it. All right. Well, 
So that'll do it for E.T., and we will see you next time. Old friends, dear friends, hear where we ought to be. Right in the middle of it, one of us had to get up to go use the bathroom, and then we all had to go! Okay, <laughs> there's something everyone here needs to see. Abby, you might want to sit down for this. Yeah, come sit on my strike of us. On a chair. Come on, Sue. Abby, this is for your own good. Open apple, tough love time. Has anyone ever actually had a good time at brunch? <laughs> you know? Is that you? I don't know where you found that, but I am taking it down. <laughs> That's what she said! Okay, first of all, Steve Carell owns That's What She Said. He owns it. And second of all, it's time to stop hiding. A young person helped me online post this on JoanOfSnark.com. You stupid meddling bitch. Yes, there's your real voice. There's Abby Grossman. To quote Eleanor Roosevelt, we are Do you understand what you've done? You have signed my death warrant. How's that now? My ex-husband is gonna see this, he's gonna find out where I am, and he is gonna try to run me over with his car again. I changed my appearance to get away from him. Oh, because I thought it was like pressure from society. You're right, Liz. I was hiding from a man who went insane after being electrocuted while watching Sleeping with the Enemy. I was cut out of that. And yeah, I am desperate for male attention because I feel safer having men around in case Troy comes back. That is why I slept with Lutz. And I shall protect her. Is there an Abby Flynn here? That's her, Troy! I'm on your side. Get her! Jeez, Lutz, it's the UPS guy. Okay, I think we all owe Abby an apology. Oh my God, it's from him. I thought this box would be the perfect size for your head. P.S. I was electrocuted again while watching Seven. Great. I have six hours to start a new life. I'll have to be a redhead this time. Oh, I don't know. With your coloring. You know what? Don't listen to me. You must really hate women, Liz. Liz Lemon is a Judas to all womankind. 